Brought to you by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby. Recently, I took a trip to Los Angeles to get the real story of what it's like to live there and work in the entertainment industry. I interviewed friends and colleagues and asked them to tell me their stories. Morgan Page is an actor and producer who moved to Hollywood to develop her own projects. Here she talks about two projects she's currently developing and the struggles to get them off the ground. You know, for example, um, investors they're all about the numbers, right? They don't care about the creative story. They don't care, they care about names, they care about money. For you to pitch a story is like, you have to pitch the numbers along with it. But what happens is that the story will get melted out of that because you're trying to get a name talent for their money, which is gonna take over the LOI. You know, it's, it's gonna take over the whole story. All the money's gonna go to the name talent. So you really, I think, what we're doing is we're not going the Hollywood studio route. We're doing the independent private equity. I think that's something that we're compromising because of the fact that we don't want to deal with the rejection and the nose of that because we feel the story is so powerful and can really make a, you know, a, an impact and it's a strong message. Is it a case of sort of a lower budget, more freedom? Yes. So basically we had this name talent attached to the project, not fully attached because we didn't have an LOI, which is a letter of intent. And we, the filmmaker had a few meetings with her to discuss the project and see if she would be interested and available for our dates. However, we go back to the investors and we say which name talent we wanted to use for the project. And they were like, we're not giving this amount of money for the name talent. So then we have to go back to the agent and manager and negotiate lower. And then they are not still, the investors going back are still not willing to give that amount of money. So we now have to go, we have to let her go because we're not going to, we're not going to give her more. So then we're, our next solution is go to another proposed cast on our, on our pitch book, on our deck of who, who else we'd want to fill the role. So then we go and we ask, and then we try to have another meeting with someone else. And, you know, so it's a, it's a whole cycle of that. And the solution is, we don't want to have name talent. We want to have unknowns, <laughs> but however, the investors always want the names. So with that being said, you have to try to compromise any way you can. And you know, and it's a, it's a whirlwind of a game. It's a constantly puzzle piecing, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the game. So I'll share with you what happened, which the lieu of situation is we are not using those, we're not working with those investors anymore. And we found a new investors that are willing to give money without having to use top talent. And that's probably the best solution is that you find, you know, investors who are willing to work with you because maybe they are open to the story to, you know, maybe, maybe you will find somebody who's actually has good money and they want to invest in artists. You know, it is a tax write off. So, <laughs> you know, also, the outcome is go with not an A or B, go with a E or G, you know, Lister. It's, 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 you know, you have to compromise and go less money.
we did a documentary recently um, about uh, one in 25 women die a day in Tanzania, not giving enough medication or supplies, uh, women who give birth. I met them randomly, the midwife and her husband, who own a helicopter company in Australia, and she, they built a clinic in Tanzania. And she showed me the teaser of what she was trying to do, but she doesn't know the film world at all. And I cried when I saw the teaser. And my friend said to me, why don't you, you know, help? And I was like, okay, well, I'm not really anybody for me to like help in Tanzania. So I have a production partner who does like the financing side of things. And it, I, I marinated on it for like a month and then I reached out to her and uh, I said, how can I help? What ways can I help? What do you need? You know, and then it turned into this whole beautiful project. Uh, we got the, the editor in Spain, the script coordinator, you know, we're hoping to turn it into a docu-series and go back and get the exposure for people. Um, I mean, for these women and, and babies, but help get the financing there to help, you know, medication supplies, the, the locals. So yes, it definitely has to speak to me in a strong message. The other scripts we have, they're very strong driven women projects that are meant like for the audience, like to make a difference. Like they're, I like strong stories that are impactful for an audience. Like I want to make a difference. That's my mission. So the vision became different when I came from New York to LA because I want to make a difference in, for humanity. I don't want it to be, I just want to make movies. You know, I just want to write songs. You know, it's like, I really want to make a difference in the world, you know? Joseph Melendez is an accomplished actor who moved to Hollywood after being cast in the film Fast Five, but his is a different kind of Hollywood story. Well, there was, there, there was the, 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 the day that I decided to come back. I had an audition for um, The Fantastics. It was back out at South Coast Rep, which is about 50 miles from, 50 miles south from where I was living in Glendale. So I was heading out and on that day, everything just went wrong. And it ended <laughs> within two hours. It ended with my car being on the side of the road, the engine burned out and done, which made me just go, I'm going back to New York. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Honestly, when I came back to New York, I immediately got a job managing a restaurant that I used to work at, and I started getting hired almost immediately for TV shows. And that's really when my, my TV career kicked off. Yeah, started really kicking off. 20, 2016, honestly. That's when, when my, my TV career just like, oh, I got booked in Ozark and I, I haven't looked back since. If a young actor tells me, oh, I'm going to LA, my first question is, is that what you want to do or are you doing it for the business? Because if it's for the business, it's not necessary. Honestly, it's not necessary. Just stay in, 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 you know, stay in New York and send your tapes because they're going to do that anyway. You know, and if you already, if, if you're a young actor and you have some kind of base here, meaning, you know, maybe some casting directors already know you, maybe you have an agent here who doesn't have an office, you know, a boutique agency that doesn't have an office in LA, why would you go? You're going to be, you're going to be, no matter what, you're always starting from scratch when you get to LA. 
you don't bring anything that you did in New York over to you, over there. It's about what you did there. So everything that I, you know, a couple of Broadway shows, everything that I did in New York, the only thing that got me was the respect of people going, oh, you're a real actor. You're not just a, a Hollywood actor. So that does, that does make a difference. You, as soon as they see a New York resume, they're like, oh, oh no, th these are real actors. No, they're, they're, not, they're not movie stars. The major difference that I have found with LA actors is they're more personalities. They're pretty much the same in front of the camera as they are off the camera. There's no change. They're just, it's just them. And they do it really well. And you know, that's how it is out there. They, um, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting to see these actors who, 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 these performers who don't, aren't really making any transformation as soon as they get in the camera. They're just playing themselves constantly. I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing I've noticed out there that that's the, the difference. The industry sets you up to be an asshole. <laughs> and they don't, I don't think they do it on purpose. It's just they, they understand what we do as actors. And they understand that it, it is, you know, I know everybody thinks it's easy to stand in front of a camera and say it, but it's not. They understand how hard it is and they understand how important our job is. One of the things I... Uh, just digress for a second. One of the things, I, the major difference between theater and television that I love the most is in theater, you will constantly have producers and people in power telling you, there's 400 guys that can replace you. And whether it's bullshit or not, in the TV industry, they make you feel like this entire production cannot be done without you. Casting directors. It's, it's so different meeting. I, I'm, again, I grew up in New York. I've had, my entire career has pretty been here. I know casting directors, people who I hang out with, I've, I've had drinks with, you know, personal relationships, who I walk into an audition with them and they're like, hello, Joseph, go ahead. Thank you, next. And you're just like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> but in LA, you do an audition, you've never met this casting director, and she'll be like, oh my God, thank you for going there. And you know what? Even if you know it's bullshit, it feels nice. And the trick is to remember that it's bullshit. It's not really what they're thinking and they're just trying to make you feel better. If you're insecure in any way, and if you shouldn't go to LA. And, and, and I mean that, I mean, everybody's insecure. But if, if your insecurities control you, um, and, you need a, a, and you need a community, LA is not for you. LA is a lonely place. I liked being in LA because I'm, I'm, I'm a loner. I like being by myself. I don't like being around crowds. So for me, it was perfect. It made, actually made me want to be social. In New York, I, I mean, I've been here so long and there's just so many people. I, I don't even want to go out sometimes because as soon as you walk out the door, there's 50,000 people. You, if, to see another person in LA, you have to make plans. It just doesn't happen. You don't just walk out your door and, I mean, you, you might see your neighbor, but it's not like you walk out and all the, you know, there's throngs of people. You, you can go, I went days without seeing another person. People in Hollywood know me. At least that's the, the big difference from when I moved out there now. At least now, if you go, if, if you're in LA and if you're in the, ind you know, with industry people 
and my name is mentioned, people know who I am now. It's not that that's the biggest difference that, you know, before they had no idea who I was and didn't really care. Now I have enough of a, of a, of a resume that, that, um, they know that, you know, um, they know who I am again. I've, and I've done, I've been just so fortunate to do some, some great shows, you know, Ozark, the sinner, those, those are things that those are really what put me on the map. The Americans, it's so different now though, even before the pandemic, when, when the whole self tape, uh, thing started, you know, it started just becoming more of a, a more common. And as soon as it started, I mean, I loved it because it got rid of the idea of having to move to LA again. I'm, I have access to any, any production of anything now, right, from New York. Thankfully, you know, I have, I have great agents now um, that facilitate that. But yeah, I can, you know, I send the tape out to, to London for something. I'll send it in, you know, LA, Atlanta. I'm always everywhere. It's, it's nothing is closed off now because of the self-tapes. And I, I love that. Indy Gott is a filmmaker and VFX specialist. He talks about his career and gives his advice on what it takes to get started in the film industry. I mean, the dream of Hollywood for me was to direct films. I've always wanted to be a director. I, uh, when I was younger, I would steal my mom's video camera and record over family videos, which wasn't really great because it usually consisted of Legos and Batman fights with my toys and all that stuff. And then, and uh, growing up, I grew up with five brothers. I was the youngest. And uh, I would uh, take the only three VHS tapes that we would have, which would be a ripped off Rambo movie, Wayne's World 2, and Back to the Future 2. And, I'll, well, I take that back. There's four. There's Batman Returns as well. So those are the th four movies that we had growing up along with analog TV, and that's all we have. You know, Rich Kids had the, had the uh, cable. Well, originally I went to school for visual effects at Noman. Um, I did three years of as a 3D generalist education through the workshop, and I learned everything from post-production. My logic behind it all for me as a, to get into directing was to become a post-production expert. So I went, instead of going to film school, I went to visual effects school and got my education in that, and then I, uh, I got a foot in the door doing VFX wrangling with a, an ASC member who was a VFX supervisor. Um, and he brought me on a show and that was kind of like my leg in into the industry for a big Hollywood productions. The biggest thing for me uh, to get jobs and to build is building relationships, essentially going to networking events, um, going to classes, uh, I go to UCLA Extension. I meet people there. Uh, it's a good program to get into. It doesn't cost you a fortune. And if I were a filmmaker and a young filmmaker, that's where I would start is in an educational setting like that that doesn't cost you a, a million dollars or hunt. Well, I, that's a or exaggeration, but yeah, it won't cost you so much to attend especially if it's for filmmaking, because you're in a town of filmmakers. It's like there's no reason to be spending that much for that kind of education. From those events like Stage 32 uh, events um, and classes, workshops, also um, uh, 
UCLA Extension and other things. You get to meet other filmmakers trying to be at your level or you're even high, or maybe there's some pe people that are different positions. You get to meet them and it's a good little networking opportunity for those folks. And then you get to get onto your project. They usually call you in because you're, you kind of have like a miniature like grind with them and doing an assignment of some sort, which doesn't, and you build your relationships. I build a few relationships. I got, I've helped, people help me with getting locations that I wouldn't be able to afford a location in Los Angeles. Like they had their house, like, hey, come on over, hang out, let's, let's uh, shoot something. And it's just, that's just kind of, that's one way of setting this up. Uh, other people, they PA or they try to get a position that's like, you know, doing their stuff. Um, but even then that is, is, a, is a relationship building aspect to it as well. So really it's just who you know and how did you meet them and how did you make them feel? For right now, what I do for work on the bigger shows is I do VFX data wrangling. VFX data wrangler works under the VFX supervisor who is in charge of the whole entire rigmarole of the VFX production. So if a shot is required to have VFX and there's a lot of work for like the VFX supervisor and he can't handle it himself, I'm the additional help that gets the VFX supervisor to help him focus with the director to get the production going. So then the VFX supervisor can be on standby, kind of like a DP. I'm like the AC. So I'm like a visual effects AC, if that's the best way to explain it. I mean, hopefully in the next five years, I can further my education within the writing element. And hopefully I could switch gears from visual effects to more writing, directing world. Um, that's my my main goal essentially. For now, I on my on the on the regular layman of everything of doing things like auditions for actors. I help with self tapes. I help with demo reels. I'm writing my own little content. I'm trying to pitch to producers. Getting the smaller level. And 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 mind you, when you're coming out here. You have to be realistic with yourself and be like, okay, I am here. <laughs> you can't, if you meet someone that's here, that's great, but you really need to focus and key in on those relationships. So you don't want to be jumping in and say, hey, oh, by the way, here's my script. Can you go read it? And you just met them. Like, it's kind of like, a, like building any kind of dating relationship. You don't want to jump in and, you know, do your thing. You're not a one night stand kind of person. And most people aren't, a lot of people are classy. So you have to be very long. You have to keep the dis you have to keep that relationship going. But um, typically the best way to get those type of relationships of people that want to work with you and want to do those things are in the education settings, which is what UCLA extension. I recommend doing something like that to kind of help you get those things happening and those relationships those working relationships working. If you're an introvert, it's really good to have a really good portfolio of things to really help hone in somebody to invest in you for your introvertness to balance out for your lack of extrovertness, I guess. So basically what I'm trying to say is you gotta be open-minded. You gotta have to try things, new things outside, and it makes you a better filmmaker in general. Like maybe be an AC, maybe be a sound guy, maybe be a, you know, a PA for a little bit, jump around, see what other places that you can fit in. As long as you're in the filmmaking world, you're in it. As you work and get your foot in the door for the thing that you really wanna do, writing, whatever, what have you, you need to have 
your main squeeze, which is a specialty. So that specialty helps you become the thing that you're trying to build up to. So what you're trying to do is right now, your specialty is right here and you're working that thing up. And eventually this part that you want to do starts becoming the thing and you're doing that specialty less and less and less and less and less. And eventually you're doing the thing that you want to do, which could be whatever it is that is what your truly love and your heart is set into. When I say specialty, it could be an AE for if you're under editorial. It could be a PA if you want to get into production. It could be an assistant writer for writing. It can be any of these type of things. A VFX data wrangler like myself, you know, a specific, a specific. And then once you get your funds and your relationships and all those things, they start the balance out onto the other thing that you really want to do. And then eventually you'll be able to get those funds. You'll be able to have those relationships. You have those understandings of different departments. And now you're a trusted source with a bigger amount of production level quality. And then you can start becoming the thing that you want to be by building those relationships and understanding how things work in the industry, knowing that it's a lateral, it's a lateral movement process. It's not a, trajectory up it's depending everybody's different but in most cases if you weren't born into a family or you had your some kind of special case typically you have a lateral progression whether you you are under a particular uh, department for a bit you get your foot in the door you get your funds you get your savings you start building up relationships and then you find people at your level to grow with as you're doing your main squeeze what would you rather be doing, working at a bar or working on production? That's the biggest question you have to ask yourself. Do you want to be looked at as a waiter or do you want to be looked at as a filmmaker? No offense to waiters out there, of course. I mean, there's a lot of actor waiters that are really good. I met a lot of great people that way. But there's just, a, you know, what, what do you do? I've, oh, I worked on production. Oh, that's great. Well, that's awesome. But this is when I was saying with going backtracking to education going to uh, UCLA Extension. You find people at your same level wanting to do the thing to, to next level their wants and needs of what they really want to be. And those are the people that are excited for you being that progression. And then once you start building that progression, winning awards, making other people money, you know, it doesn't matter what you did before. You made them money and you made them happy and you made a change to uh, some kind of industry of like, whether it be at the film festival circuit or at, you know, the pockets of producers. Like, <laughs> as long as you could show that element in that history, like you, you seem deemed safe as a person to, if, and this is from, you know, as a director, or like, you know, film, you got to deem safe to production to know that, oh, this guy can make us funds. So in other words, you have to, like, in addition to working, you also have to have uh, personal projects. Personal projects, yeah. Personal projects is what gets you where you want to go. If you want to do something to keep the food on the table, and just make sure that it's in the entertainment industry. It helps. It helps understanding, and it makes you grow. You treat it as an educational experience every time. And by doing that, it makes you a strong filmmaker, and as you try to make your own films and become that thing that you want to be, or a writer, 
and even better if you're even in the genre of the place that you want to be in to help you focus even further to build those relationships. Say if you're an assistant to a writer, an assistant to a director, assistant to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, cl- you're, that cl- step, you're that much closer to being and understanding that world and how to establish that. It's kind of like being around a big brother or big sister and you're trying to like see how they do things so you don't have to run into you know, those issues. And if you have run into those issues, you have that experience with others and how they treated those issues to make a better assessment. And that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And now you can subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank Morgan Page, Indy Gott, and Joseph Melendez, and our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.